we are actually having the purpose that we want to cool the planet. And the way we want to do that is helping go from a linear to a circular world. We want to be the ones that actually enable our customers uh, to be able to do this. You're listening to Green Business with Impact. Your host is Jasper Steinhausen. Welcome to the podcast and today's episode where we once again will dive into what it takes to make business success with circular economy. In this episode, I have the pleasure of having Michael Bayer Thompson with me. He is another veteran in the field of circular business, so you're in for a lot of valuable insights on the mindset that's needed, the value of a bigger mission, and the importance of communicating, just to mention a few of the things we'll be touching upon. Up until recently, Michael was CEO and the owner of a company called Letback Group, which produces high-quality plastic components for a range of products and sectors, including the built environment, furniture, and the medical sector. They have in fact done so well and learned so much over their journey in the last eight years that just recently the Norwegian company Cirque Solutions came and offered to buy them with the purpose of creating an even stronger full-scale circular business setup. So today Michael is Senior Vice President for Cirque Solutions and the active chairman of the four companies that until the mergers was in Letback Group. He finds it highly important to share learnings to accelerate the transition of our society. And that's why you will also find him as a vice chair of the board of the Danish Plastic Federation, where he contributes to speeding things up. I have known Michael for about a handful of years and I've had the pleasure of presenting at various conferences and seminars with him, as well as having a range of one-to-one discussions. So Michael was in fact one of the first to go on my list when I decided that this season would be about the front runners. So tune in and listen tight as you're about to get a lot of experience presented in a digested form. I give you Michael Bayer Thompson from Cirque Solutions. Okay, so Michael, why don't you start to tell us a little bit about your experience with working with circular economy and sustainability in a business setting? My experience go actually way back. Most of my career, I've been working with uh, some kind of recycling sustainability. But the recent eight years, it's been on a strategic level where we at my my previous job as CEO at Ledbeck Group, actually formalized a strategy to move more from a linear towards a circular way of doing our business. Uh, And it's important to underline that we do mean business. So we made uh, a strategy how to actually transist our own business, but also assisting our customers in that transition towards the circular economy. So we built our services and offerings in the company so that we could assist both in the logistics issues in that regards, but also in the design, in the material aspects, in the production, all the way around. So we're actually able to go from idea towards a product within circular mindset. That's interesting. Is but, but the way you tell it there, does that mean that in that strategy shift, you also expanded on the offerings you have? I mean, have you always been able to do that full journey just on a linear mindset or 
or did you actually expand your your offering as well? We actually developed and expanded our offerings quite a lot. You know, the backbone of the company is still the same. Also being part of the new group now called Cirque Solutions, but it's still the same manufacturing products or recycling materials. But in order to do that and assist our customers or partners, as we like to call them, making them able or enable them actually to go from a linear to a circular, we found that it's not only to produce the products, it's actually also how to design it, how to set up the value chain in order to make it succeed so that after use, these products actually fit into the recycling uh, world so that yeah, products become raw materials and back into the loop again. So, so we enabled uh, our business quite a lot, both digitally, but also our services from yeah, design, research, development, calculations, everything. So if, if you look at your portfolio today, how different is that compared to when you were a traditional linear company? Are these companies comparable? Yeah, they are not. Yeah, they are compatible because we're the same company, but the way of doing business are completely different. And the best way of uh, actually showing that or telling that is at what stage does Letbeck and Circ today enter the dialogue with the customers? Before this, we were handed over a drawing, a sketch, and then asked, "How much does it cost to produce this today?" We are addressed, okay, we have an idea. How do we develop this best possible? How do we take care of uh, the product during the lifespan? You know, how do we, along the way, make sure that we can actually repair it? How do we make sure you can reuse it before recycling? So, so actually now we, we come in at a much earlier stage in order to be the, the specialists or experts in how to develop these solutions in order to make them circular instead of linear. But at the end of the day, we're still manufacturing products. But around the products, we have added a lot of other services. Yeah, and other value streams. Exactly. So now we're actually taking part of a lot more in that value stream. Yeah. So I imagine it also gives you another level of resilience, right? Because you, it's not it's not just one main value stream. There are actually several. I know they're tied up around the same core product, but I imagine it must give you a bit more of a resilient business setup. Is that correct? That's correct. And also, it's you know, at the end of the day, we still need to be competitive. It's uh, it's a matter of being competitive to to the world. But it's not only a matter of price anymore, as it used to be. Now it's actually delivering the best solution, which makes or enable our customers actually to win or gain the market shares. That's actually how we see our our most uh, important task, that's actually to enable our customers to win market shares. What were your most important task or goal 10 years ago? Ten years ago, it was you know the linear way of thinking that okay, we need to be very compatible in producing this one product or these products. But now we go to it more to okay, how do we actually look at it as a more solution way, so that we bring value to the different 
value streams of the products are developing so that at the end of the day, the end solution is still compatible, but we can add more service so we can actually have a better margin. Because we also go to it that we are not here just to make sustainable. We are here to make sustainable business. And that's very important because if we do not have a financial good company, then we do not have the finances actually to grow and to make an impact in the world. And this is also important. We need to go from small scale-ups or start-up to scale-up. Let's expand a bit on that keyword about impact. So if you were sort of to describe, you know, what kind of mission, what's the bigger purpose, you know, why are you here apart from making a living, making some good products and all of that? If, is, do you sort of have a mission statement or a vision or a purpose or whatever you, you frame it like? I'll start by framing the context of where I'm answering now, because so far we've talked a lot about Letbeg and Cirque, but the way these two companies are now becoming one is actually the way of thinking business alike. Today within the group, we are actually having the purpose that we want to cool the planet. And the way we want to do that is helping go from a linear to a circular world. We want to be the ones that actually enable our customers uh, to be able to do this by looking at the entire value stream. Within our group, we now have uh, the unique competences both within the logistics of handling waste. We have the competences of actually recycling this waste, making it into new raw materials. We have the competence of actually entering into dialogue, making new solution products, and then also manufacturing it. And like an underlying service, on top of all this, we even went so far, so we we started by making a CO2 calculator, which is now with actual measurements of all product lines within the company, we are able to give the carbon footprint per product, per invoice. So if you order from Litmic, you also get the quantity, the price, but also the carbon footprint of this exact production. So it's not something they have to ask for. It's just something you give them. Like it or not, this is it. It's simply implemented and automized because in the beginning, we had people sitting in Excel sheets, spreadsheets, making this uh, for each customer, each product. Then we said, okay, we will never reach uh, our goal to make it uh, 100% of our business. So we actually uh, invested a lot of time and resources in having that directly into our ERP system. So it's become a natural part of entering, typing in the order. You give also uh, this information just as natural as the price. Have your clients, uh, how have they reacted to this? Most all are impressed. Uh, some says, okay, perfect. I need this for ESG, reporting all this legislation that is coming. Like <laughs> I can a, imagine. Yeah. Like a flood from the EU right now. So that's, you know, I think of it as we are one step ahead of all that is coming on this legislation from the European Union. And some are still, you know, saying, okay, carbon footprint per product. Okay, what should I use it for? And that's fair enough. We offer it anyway, 
But then we also offer to get into a dialogue and explaining how can you actually use it to make more enlightened decision in your way of doing business. I could also perhaps add that just two years ago, we founded a company called MyCollect. That is, you know, the next step of making sure that all part of the value chain, including the end users, are having the information they need in order to take decisions based on sustainability. Imagine you are an end user or simply Jasper uh, wanted to buy a new furniture. We've added uh, or invented a solution where you actually, via your iPhone or your phone in general, not only iPhone, but also Android or iOS, but uh, Android can uh, actually access the product. So we make analog products digital by adding uh, either an NFC chip, barcode, QR code, whatever. But at the end of the day, MyCollect is the integrator that allows data from different part of the value chain to be accessible for everyone who needs it. Also end of life, because then the next recycler knows exactly what materials are made for producing the product. So how could we actually recycle it best possible? And by knowing that, then the recycling rate will increase. So that's also part of trying to make the world more circular. So basically, if I were a recycler or if I somehow got my hands on a used product you created, I would simply be able to scan it and then get the insights about basically what's its life been, <laughs> what kind of what what does it consist of, and where do I where do I the product where do I come from, <laughs> and then use that to judge what's the best next step. Exactly, it's basically a history book of the product. Where is it produced? How much CO2 is uh, used in order to produce it? How do I repair it? How do I reuse it? You can even in, in this application resell it so that you make sure that it lives a next life. If for some reason you don't want that chair or that sofa or whatever product anymore, you can simply pass on the ownership, including receipts, information, and all this data is made on blockchain, so it stays within the product forever. And when the product then is recycled, the material coming from that product, that batch is then part of the history for the next product. So it goes on in circle. Yeah, uh, that's really, really good to hear. I've been talking a lot with the different people over the years about making these blockchain-based product passports, but I still feel that it's very few that are making them. Is that correct? Or is it just me that are out of tune? Or are you sort of on no, the forefront? We, we are on the, on the forefront on this, and uh, we are actually in a hurry to to get there first because it's, uh, it's a growing uh, market. And I could imagine, I haven't seen any, but I could imagine that a lot of uh, people are talking about how to do this, actually, how to enable this digital product path. First of all, because it's necessary in order to give people the opportunity to make uh, enlightened decisions, but it's also crucial for the companies in order to make the proper ESG reporting. Albert Einstein famously said, 
we can't solve problems by using the same kind of thinking we used when we created them. So if you want to change your business and make it thrive while making the world a better place, you need to think differently than when running a business in the traditional way. You need the right mindset. With that in place, everything else gets easier. To help you, I've created a simple self-assessment tool for you to score your current mindset and give you inputs on how you can improve it. It's free of charge, it takes less than three minutes to complete, and you can access it by going to greenprofit.scoreapp.com. Okay, I'd like to just add one uh, sort of reconnect back to that purpose part and your statement about cooling the planet. And I know that's a fairly new one because it's one they created in the new company, Cirque Solution. But if we just sort of uh, then perhaps zoom out a bit and say that the fact that you have been on a bigger mission for eight years now in making that transition, what kind of value has it given for you as a company to be associated with such a higher purpose defined as cooling the planet or something else? Before cooling the planet uh, at Letbeck, we called it actually to help making the world a more sustainable place by actually, you know, making one product, one solution at a time more sustainable. So we had it like at the very high level of purpose to help making it a more sustainable world, but we also realized that, okay, we're just a small Danish company. We cannot save the world. So how do we do this best possible? This is by interacting with our customers for each and every production, each and every product we develop together with the customers. How do we make sure that it's the most sustainable way of doing it every time. And that actually have had, still are having a very positive impact on our business in general and also the profit. We went from just a small company of 29 employees uh, seven years ago having uh, a loss every year in the profit loss uh, until last year we were close to 150 employees and I think plus 7 million in, in profits. And it's just been increasing year by year. So it's had a very positive impact. But it's not only the sustainable way, but it's the way of also working with data. I think that's also one of the outtakes. Yes, we have a purpose. Yes, we go to it with the employees. We see that it's easier to find new employees also and new colleagues. But we are also very focused on what is adding value to us and the customers by having insight data on what we are doing. So I think at the end of the day, it's it's a mixture of having the sustainable mindset, but it's also a mindset of how to do good business. Yeah, I, I fully agree. Now you say mindset, I think... I would like to sort of double click on that for a little while and just say, because, you know, if, if I look out in companies, a lot of people are saying, you know, they spend time and energy and money on sustainability, circular economy, whatever sort of the, the, the overall label is. And a lot doesn't seem to get really that return on investment and that impact that they're looking for. And then others are like, 
like the story you just shared here, if you should sort of zoom in and say, what are the key elements or key components of our mindset that has made us successful in our journey to to build a company based on the circular economy thinking? First and most important step was actually that it was a strategic decision made of the board and the owners. We were looking into a company that were not doing very well in the business perspective, but we had a lot of potential because of a long experience of dealing with the recycled materials, recycled plastics. And then we made the decision, okay, this is what we want to do. We want to be even more focused in adding value to our customers by adding these services we talked about previously. Because at the end of the day, the strategic move is also, okay, we can produce in recycled plastics, but how do we get the customers actually to think Letbeck is also the one and uh, the one that can assist them in this journey. So really about integrating it into the core of your business? Exactly the core of the business. It's, uh, you know, investing in new areas of the company. Actually, today we have six people working in R&D. That's a lot compared to where we are in the value chain and compared to our size. So we invest heavily in in our ability actually to help our customers in the product design phase. But R&D is not only 3D drawing and construction. It's also material experts. It's also experts on sustainability and take-back solutions. But it's a lot of different know-how and experts in, in actually helping this transformation from the linear to the circular economy. And this was really an investment in the beginning because you need to add the resources before you can gain from them. So I hear you have something about really tying it to the core of your business and thinking and understanding it as a business. Is there anything else you could share that you know this is essential as well? I think a big part of our success has also been that we dared actually also to share both both the good and the bad uh, experience we had. We made a lot of mistakes on the way also, but we never were afraid of actually participating in, in dialogues. We participate in events, fairs. Uh, I joined the Plastic Federation Board, Danish Industry uh, Production Board, and so forth and so on. Uh, and that's actually by being, you know, very aware of that, okay, we also need to communicate it in order for other companies or people also to understand the necessity. We were one of the first actually to address the circular economy in a more commercial aspects, uh, as I remember it. And, you know, now it's difficult actually to understand, but eight years ago, I actually met a lot of people not having any idea of, what is a circular economy and what is yeah, sustainability? We've heard about it, but what is it exactly? And then a lot of things happened and people are really aware of, okay, we need to change. And this, of course, has also helped. But we dared doing this before it actually was a trend. And that sort of 
I guess you could call the first mover, or at least part of first movers. What kind of value would you say that has given? I mean, you could also just say, okay, it's still very early days. We'll just wait a little bit, right? <laughs> the hen or the egg, right? What comes first, the market or the development? What's your reflection looking back? Would you do the same again? Would you speed up? Would you slow down? What do you think in hindsight? Yeah, in hindsight, it's always easy. But still, I would say it is indeed. Yeah. <laughs> it's still difficult to say what, of all the things we did, was exactly why it, it went as it did. Because we're happy about the development we had, for sure. But I think it's a sum of actually doing something rather than just waiting for everyone else to to figure it out first. As I said before, we also made a lot of mistakes on the way, but we were never afraid of actually trying things out. And by trying things out, we also developed. So we developed uh, actually a unique uh, position in the market because we were not afraid of trying new things. So today we created a brand around uh, Let's Search, where we're actually known for being the ones who are able also to solve difficult issues. But if you solve difficult issues, you also make mistakes. Giving advice a few times, I always say that you need to be realistic about that you will make mistakes, but you also need to dare do it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, You cannot just sit and wait. No. And I think that's another, again, if you sort of say piece in that puzzle of the mindset, right? I'm really daring to be, to make the mistakes and, and just realize that, you know, as is often said, you're either earning or you're learning. So as long as you make sure you're learning, it's never, you know, the worst thing that can happen is still really valuable because it's not a string of victories, right? <laughs> no, no, not not at all, but it's an... Uh... It's a developing of, of yeah of the, the people surrounding you and also the company. We've also learned, you know, you cannot sit and, and look eight years ahead or even two years ahead and saying, okay, we will end up here. An example, three years, three and a half years ago, we said, okay, we need to be able to be more factor-based in our di- dialogue with the customers because we found that companies never interested in sustainability all of a sudden used the same wording when addressing how they did business. They were green, they were sustainable, there were a lot of things. Okay, how do we actually keep our position as the ones that are actually doing something? We make this CO2 calculation. And now I see that's actually being integrated into a lot of different companies. And that's great. But we did it to different shaders already three and a half years ago. That's actually the same thinking two years ago. Okay, now we did this. How do we then actually share it? And how do we make sure that the end users also get this information? Then we created MyCollect. And it's still remaining to see if it's a success or a failure. So far, we invested a lot. And now we need to, to see it reach the market uh, as the first Oh, yeah, that's going to be very interesting to to keep an eye out from. But I, I think actually underneath that is that, you know, that trade, I guess you could say also of that entrepreneurial spirit, right? It's it's doing that leads to learning, right? You cannot sit down and read about this to learn and then know what to do because it, it is, you know, to, to some extent at least, it's 
it's new virgin land we're stepping into, right? So we need to figure it out in that marketplace, not back at the desk, right? It's it's you have to take the steps and fall and get up again and and so on and so on. Exactly, but but from a commercial perspective, it's always been the companies who are developing the new areas and the new markets, the new paradigms that has actually succeeded the best. So why be afraid? And even more on top of this, we need to do something. The world really needs us to be able to take care of our resources. Also, the way I hear the the debate in the in the public space regarding green transition it's so much based on the energy consumption that's a big issue fully agree but it's actually not the only issue and it's probably not even the biggest issue the biggest issue problem we have is that we're using more resources than available The World Overshoot date in Denmark was already in March 27 this year. So from March 27 this year, since then, we have been using from our children and grandchildren's resources. This should be so much higher on everyone's agenda than just, you know, transitioning towards green energy, windmill, solar. Very important steps, no doubt, but we need a circular economy in order to keep our resources at hand. And as, uh, as leaders of, of, of companies, would we be the ones looking back in 50 years saying, okay, they only thought about the commercial side, they only thought about making money, did not care at all? I don't think so. I think that also, you know, business leaders also need to take this responsibility to them which is actually to help this transition accelerate. It's going too slow, and there's so many more people that need to to do and take action now. You know, if I go back to what you said earlier on, you know, what you do today is you basically changed your offering from saying we are making good products to we are taking care of helping our clients to make their business better and have their positive impact on that world around us. So you also completely shifted, right? So it's it's through your business, right? So the more successful you become, the more impact you have. Exactly. Rather than saying, okay, we got to balance and take out a proportion of our revenue and use that for something good, right? It's It's embedded, right? So the more business, the more impact. Yeah, yeah. Look at it, you know, the impact you have Scope one, two, and three. Scope three is where you have the material impact. That's by far the biggest impact on our CO2 emissions. We as a company also started looking at scope uh, one and two because that's, you know, important, but also the easiest way to start. You can do something on your own right here, right now. Looking at scope three, that's redesigning products, that's entering in the whole value chain to make that succeed. But still, you need to make the decision that it's important and get started. I see a lot of companies are postponing that decision because they can, but they shouldn't. Why do you think they do that? 
I have full respect for it because it's very difficult. It's not easy to to work with this and make this transition. But it's like uh, an ostrich. You cannot just keep or stick the, the head in the ground. You, you really need to, to face the issues and also be realistic about, okay, we do not change it 100% from day one, but we need to go in a certain direction. And that's back to the strategic mindset. And I must also say that I feel a lot of companies, also big, important companies, making these decisions right now. They want to transition. They want to accelerate this uh, from a linear to a circular economy. So a lot is happening right now, but we need to do more. Yeah. And we need more leaders to see and understand how they can lead it, right? Because you say there is a shift. I experienced that as well. A growing proportion that wants to do something, but still struggles to figure out, well, how do I do it? How do I actually lead this? Because it's different than what I'm used to, and I'm this is not my turf. Yeah, and it's also, you know, uh, unknown uh, grounds. Being a leader, I remember it because, you know, I had a lot of questions. Why do we do this, and how do we dare? And I did not have all the answers. The answers were, okay, this we believe it's the right direction. We will have some issues. We will have some difficulties. Together, we need to find the solutions and together we can manage and then move on. We did have problems, but we also, you know, moved on and actually succeeded with a lot of things we did. So so being the leader, stepping out, saying, okay, we're going in this direction, but we are quite unsure exactly how we will do it. We just know we have to do it. That's not easy. No. But it's setting that overall strategic course, right? That is what leadership is about. That's the role. Like it or not, it comes. It's part of. <laughs> it's part of your position. It comes with the territory of being the CEO. And then engaging a lot of uh, you know colleagues, uh, employees uh, into the company who actually have different knowledge and together can make the difference instead of just being one guy who takes all the decisions. I don't. Believe in that. No, makes sense. Okay, I have another area I'd like us to I like to really just explore a bit with you as well. And, and you touched upon it slightly about communication and the role and how important it is uh, and how you have now created different solutions and automated them to communicate some of the results, the impact and so on. But in general how do you, you know, if you should give some advice for companies that are moving into the space or have been there for a while but are still sort of holding back a bit, how do you communicate on, you know, this higher mission like cooling the planet or the fact that you, you know, you want to make the world a better place and this is, a, this is the kind of results we're doing or circular economy who somebody still don't know what it is and so on. So, so how do you do that? I think you should always communicate openly and honestly. So, so you should not communicate you want to cool the planet if that's not your intent. You should, you know, back your, your words because otherwise it will not be long before someone uh, puts you on the front of some uh, magazine. So be honest in your approach, also in your communication. Be honest both internally and externally but also dare to have a vision, a mission of what do you want to accomplish. Yes or no, we're not there yet, 
But yes, we do have a plan how to get there. Set a direction, but be honest in your communication and communicate a lot. That's also uh, one of my uh, learnings. You know, involve people both internally and externally on which direction you're going. It's so much easier actually to onboard uh, people who want to, to go in the same direction. Do you see there is a correlation between the amount of energy you spend on communicating and, and how likely it is that you attract talents and partners and clients and yeah, different kinds of opportunities and value. Is, is there a correlation here or is it just me? 100%, 100%. We see, you know, both in, in the pipeline, in, in our sales with clients, with customers, partners, whatever we call them, has been a big increase over the years but also in our ability to attract the right people. That is also, you know, we are looking into getting more and more uh, people uh, without us actually in the market for, for new people. We get a lot of... Uh, Unsolicited uh, applications? Exactly. We see that as a very positive side because... You know, we are not the part of uh, of Denmark where it's most easy to find educated uh, people, not meaning that in a bad way, but we're situated in the countryside of the West Coast. And what we see trend of the young educated people are more seeking to the, the bigger cities like uh, Copenhagen or Aarhus. So, but we actually have uh, people from there going to, to Sistop to work and also move there. I think that's that's quite unique. I would like to end with sort of a, a bit of a big picture question that I always like to end with. And um, it's, as you said several times, we really do need to see a massive amount of changes in, in a short period of time. And there are the governments and there is business and there is the market and us consumers and so on. So there are different, different key sort of stakeholders. Um, but if you should look at the role of business in making this green transition happen, then then what what would you say the role of business is? How important is it? I think the the role of the businesses are crucial to this uh, green transition or circular economy, whatever we choose to call it. Because if the business are not changing the way of producing or changing the way of the products entering the market, taking responsibility all through the lifespan and also end of life, then nothing will change. So the business has all the impact in the world on this. Of course, we also need politicians to actually make the legislation. And, you know, it's a cooperation between a lot of different stakeholders, but businesses without us in the business, nothing will change. I think that's a really strong statement to end with in a, on a podcast like this. So I think we should we should stop it there. I uh, I was just wondering if some people feel like, oh, this Michael guy, this was really interesting, or oh, search solution sounds really interesting, I, and would like to connect with you somehow. How do they do that best? Reach out via LinkedIn or find my contact details on uh, the webpage of uh, searchsolutions.com or letback.com. Just feel free. I would love to connect. That sounds good. We'll put uh, in the bio of the episode also a link to both your website and 
and the LinkedIn page to make it easier if somebody wants to connect. So, uh, Michael, I'd just like to really, really thank you for, for showing up here today. It's been really interesting to dive into a proportion of your huge amount of experiences you gained over the years. Uh, so thank you so much for, for showing up here and, and sharing with, uh, with the listeners here. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. And best of luck with, uh, with all your new ventures. Thanks a lot, Jasper. You've listened to Green Business with Impact. You can get more insight on how to create circular business on bwimpact.com. If you want to get in touch, you are very welcome to connect with Jasper on LinkedIn. Just type in Jasper Steinhausen. If you have questions, comments or suggestions for future podcast episodes, please contact Jasper js at bwimpact.com. <laughs>